Hello, everybody. Welcome back to A Woman's Why podcast. Today, you are listening to episode 16 of the pod, so thank you so much for tuning back in. I am joined with Keisha Greaves on the podcast today, and let me tell you, this was such a wonderful conversation. So before just introducing her, I just want to acknowledge that it was amazing, and y'all are going to need to get your notebook and pen out because this woman is inspiring. (laughs) Keisha Greaves was around 23 years old when she was attending grad school for her MBA, and she began to experience random falls where her entire body felt like dead weight and she couldn't get back up without assistance. Keisha took multiple tests before a piece of her muscle was taken out of her leg for a biopsy and revealed that she has limb girdle muscular dystrophy. After a long time of living with in denial toward her diagnosis and brainstorming what her future would look like, she decided that she was going to take her knowledge in business and fashion and start her own clothing line. That clothing line is now called Girls Chronically Rock. Since then, she's come out with several collections. She has since also advocated for people with disabilities and MD on her own podcast, ABC News, and The Today Show. Keisha talks to us about what it's like to live a day in her life, how she feels constantly speaking about her diagnosis, adaptive wear and its importance, how to break the stigma around disabilities, and more. Her (laughs) bubbly personality and laugh is so contagious. This conversation was important to me in so many ways. I really encourage you all to visit her website and her podcast. She will talk about it at the end of our conversation, so just stick around for that. Thank you guys for listening and supporting our podcast. I love you guys so much, and lately, I've been getting into the Twitter game more, so give us a follow over there at A Woman's Why Pod. We have also pre-launched our gift shop website so that you can sign up for our newsletter. You can visit www.awomanswhy.com and put your email in to do so. I will talk to you guys next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a rate or review or let us know on our Instagram at a woman's why podcast. Another thing that I love that you guys do is take pictures when you're in the car and listening. That is so awesome. Obviously, be careful about it, but (laughs) thank you for doing that. It always makes me really happy to see. Also, always feel free to take a screenshot of when you're listening to the podcast and tag us. We'll feature you on our story and it always makes me smile. So, Thank you guys. Have a wonderful weekend and enjoy today's episode. Hello, Keisha. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Okay. So before getting into, you know, your diagnosis and all of that. I do kind of want to talk about your life before that and where you're from. So can you just tell us where you're from and what your childhood was like? Um, sure. Well, I am Keisha and I was born and raised in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So yes, I was born and raised. I'm still here in Cambridge. So yeah, before my diagnosis, I, you know, honestly was just living, you know, normal kid life. I honestly used to play softball in elementary school, you know, wasn't like this big softball player, but you know, I was in the outfield and, you know, being active and, you know, walking up and down the stairs um, at high school, five flights and even in elementary school. So just kind of being active and living a normal, you know, like kid you know, high school life, like, you know, a normal kid would. So yeah, it's so crazy how life can change in an instant. Right. So you mentioned on your website that you began to experience symptoms of MD in 2009 while you were in grad school. So what were you going to school for at the time? I'm sure I was actually going to grad school for getting my MBA. So just in business. 
Okay. So when I was actually in grad school, that's when I started to get like really weird symptoms. Okay. So what were those symptoms like? Yeah, it was like just totally weird. Like honestly, my leg, I would just be walking and my leg would kind of like buckle and give out on me. Like kind of like, you know, just kind of no notice. Like it was just like, boom, I would fall to the floor. And I felt like the first few times, like one or two times it happened, I just thought maybe, oh, I need to lose some weight, you know, maybe just become a little bit active. No big deal. But then, you know, when it just kept on happening, the last straw for my family and I was when it was like me, my mom and sister at the supermarket and literally we're leaving, I'm pushing the cart and then boom, my leg gives out on me and I'm on the floor. And it wasn't like when I felt I was able to like, boom, oh, okay, ha, I can get myself back up. It was like when I felt I was like pretty much a dead weight where it's like my mom and sister couldn't even get me up. It was like a lot. So even I remember a stranger came over and kind of, you know, had to assist. And then that's when my mom and sister were like, you know, something's not right. Maybe it's something in the feet. Let's go see an orthopedic. So I'm just like, okay, not really thinking anything of it. So we go see an orthopedic um, out here in Boston at Tufts Medical Hospital. And I remember that appointment like it was yesterday. Two doctors come in, regular examination. They're like, oh, lift up your right leg, lift up your left leg. And then it was like at that moment where it's like my leg when it pretty much both legs did not extend like how it should, like how say a normal person, you know, was able to, oh yeah, like let me lift up my leg. And they just kind of both looked at each other like, um... I think this is something more like neuromuscular. I think I would recommend you seeing a neurologist. So I'm just like, oh gosh, you know, like, you know, I'm like, oh, what's what's that about? Like, all right, let me go see this neurologist. Right. So then I go see the neurologist out here in Cambridge, Mass. I'm at Arbonne Hospital. Um, Dr. Catherine Wang, I still love her to this day. I actually still see her. And she, um, you know, as soon as we go, I see her, we go straight to it. I mean, I get so many different testings, um, MRI, EMG, EKG, most interesting of all was when they did a muscle biopsy where they took a piece of muscle from out of my right leg. So from that muscle biopsy, that's when they were able to determine that I have muscular dystrophy. Crazy, right? Wow. Okay. So how old were you at the time when you were diagnosed? I want to say in my early 20s, like 23, 24. Okay. And how long did it take to get that diagnosis? Um, I honestly felt like it wasn't that long. I want to say like probably a week, a week and a half. And then I remember she called, you know, the house phone. And then, you know, she's like, Keisha, you have muscular dystrophy. And I'm like, um, like, you know, I'm thinking she had to call the wrong person. Like, I don't have muscular dystrophy. You right. know, it's just kind of like, and mind you, I like, I never heard of it. Like, I was like, nobody in my family seemed to have it. So I'm just like, what is she talking about? Maybe I misunderstood her. Maybe you know, she called the wrong person. And then, you know, like some of us, once I get heard her say that muscular dystrophy, I immediately run to my computer and start Googling it. And I'm like, what is muscular dystrophy? Yeah. So of course, and then Google, you know, yeah, it can be our best friend and then not. So, you know, best friend, it's just like, you know, yeah. I'm seeing all these things and I'm like, exactly. And I'm like, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. So yeah, it was a total shock. Yeah, that's, I, I can't even imagine. So like once you were diagnosed, I read a little bit how you felt um, kind of in denial at first. You wouldn't be like honest with your friends on the diagnosis. And so what, how did you begin to come to terms with your diagnosis and separate that from your identity in those beginning stages? Um, Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned, it was totally tough, you know, cause here I was in my early twenties, I'm in graduate school. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working part-time and I was doing merchandising, like, especially at Macy's I'm doing for different clients, like Tommy Hilfiger, Kelvin Klein. So, you know, it was like, I was keeping busy, keeping active. So it's like, 
you know, and then as time went on, it did progress, which the doctor did tell me that. And I read that online. Mm-hmm. So eventually then I, st- I started to use a cane because the physical therapist recommended it. But of course, I'm like, if I'm going to wear a cane, I want it to be fashionable. And so I'm like, you know, <laughs> getting zebra prints, all these different canes. But at the same time, it's like, you know, when I'm going, say, on job interviews or going into work, as soon as I stepped in that office, it was like, you know, because obviously they're going to be like, oh, why are you using a cane? You know what I mean? Unless they, some people thought it was honestly a fashion statement. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, I'm like, I sprayed my ankle or I was in a car accident. I never came out and, you know, 100% said, oh, I have muscular dystrophy. Because when I said that, it just made it seem too real. And I was not ready to accept that. So it's like, I feel like, yeah, it just, it took a lot of time. I'm like, I wasn't really telling family and friends when, you know, only very family knew was because, you know, from my mom telling her sisters and, you know, they would transfer that to my cousins. But it's like, even when friends asked me to go out, I was just like, no, make up an excuse. Because I'm just like trying to figure all this out. Like, muscular dystrophy is she right did she call the right person so it definitely mm-hmm. took some time and then um it was actually my friend who recommended oh why don't you write a blog and you know share your story talk about what's going on and you know I looked at him like no way like why would I um write a blog like I don't have muscular dystrophy like that's how much in denial I was yeah and then it was like one day I you know just thought about it I opened up my laptop And, you know, I just started writing and just venting, just like how I am with you now about the symptoms and all the testings. And then it's like, it took that moment as I was typing and saying it out loud to myself. I'm like, wow, I have muscular dystrophy. It was like that moment. It's like, never mind what the doctors were Mm -hmm. saying. It was like, it took for me as I was typing that and saying it, I'm like, I have muscular dystrophy. Look at that. Mm -hmm. And then I just like posted it. I posted it on Tumblr. I posted it on Facebook. And then, you know, I just got such great positive feedback from both family, friends and people that, you know, followed me on social media. And they're just like, wow, like, thank you so much for sharing. You know, I never knew all that was going on, you know, because at that time, especially if you don't have no mobility aids, it's like a lot of people don't understand your disability can be visible and invisible. It's like you never know what somebody's dealing with. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just like, you know, got some really Mm -hmm. great positive feedback. So that kind of opened the door a little bit at that time when I posted that blog. Okay, that's wonderful. So I was kind of curious before the interview, I was thinking like, I wonder, do you ever, do you feel like it empowers you to talk about it? Or does it ever kind of become negative for you to always be talking about it? And I've seen you've done like the um, ABC News interviews and, you know, the Today Show and what, whatnot. So does it ever kind of put you down to be talking about it all the time? Or does it empower you like do the opposite? Um, I would say for me, that is a good question. I feel like in the beginning, of course, I feel like, oh, wow, look at me now. Like I'm sharing this story at first. I'm like, oh my God, yes, it is empowering. Because like I said, if you had asked me a few years back, oh, Keisha, do you see yourself talking about muscular dystrophy and sharing your story and being on podcast? I'll be like, no way. Cause like, what are you talking about? I don't have muscular dystrophy. Yeah. So that's how my <laughs> mindset was. So it's like yeah. for me to be so open with it now, it's, I am like, wow. I look back like, okay, like I'm a true believer in things do happen for a reason. And so it's like, you know, I'm just like, wow. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is my platform now and, you know, to share my story and to empower and motivate others. So yes, I would say that, yes, it, it definitely makes me feel empowering to talk about it now and share my story and things like that. And then, you know, there are some times when I do speaking engagements and then I may share my story and I'm like, oh, you know, you try to, like sometimes I do get emotional and inside still to this day, you know, but I try to hold back those tears, but, you know, just from like people, you know, being empowered and inspired by my story and they're like, oh my goodness, like I love your journey. And, you know, that makes me feel motivated too and inspired. Like, wow, like people 
listen to my story, people understand my mission and what I'm trying to bring to my platform and my brand. So, so yes, it definitely makes me feel empowered to talk about it and to share my story, you know, and to connect with others because that's like the best part. Yeah, right. No matter what you're going through, I feel like it's always good to be vulnerable and open and attract like-minded people. Yes. So post-diagnosis, you decide that you wanted to take your knowledge in fashion design and merchandising and start your clothing line called Girls Chronically Rock. So when did you start that? Like how long after your diagnosis did you decide that you wanted to start your clothing line? Um, sure. So yeah, as you mentioned, I always had a passion for fashion because I actually got my undergraduate degree from Framingham State University in fashion design and merchandising. So I always had big dreams like, oh, yeah, I want to be a fashion designer. I can see my stuff down the runway and all this stuff. I looked up to fashion designers such as Kimora Lee Simmons from Baby Fat and Betsy Johnson. I just love her quirkiness, her colorfulness and her tutus. So of course, as we know, some life you know, things happen. It's like, it's so crazy how life can happen. So of course I didn't be plan had plans to be diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. So after coming out of denial, it's like, that's when I talk about where I'm like a true believer in things happen for a reason. Cause you know, after like writing the blog and mm-hmm. kind of sharing my story, I'm just like, you know what, it's time to, you know, put my dreams to use my fashion degree and all these dreams I had. I'm like, now let me try to maybe you know, share my story, my journey of what's going through to try to incorporate that, you know, with my fashion business. So how I came up with the name is that I knew I wanted something with the word chronic in it for chronic illnesses, but I didn't know exactly how I wanted it all to incorporate together. So I honestly was just lying in bed when I sleeping. That's honestly when most of my creative ideas come to me, honestly, (laughs) is when I'm sleeping. And I thought girls chronically rock. And I don't know something about it. Just I love the way it sounded. I love the way it flowed. I'm like, yes. And so then I just kind of ran with that. And I just first started selling it on Mm Etsy.com, which I still have my line on there as well. So then after a while, I'm like, you know what? It's time to, you know, revamp. I was like, I want to get like my own domain main and, you know, get trademarked and really, you know, like pump it up. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, not like this is going to be a side hobby. This is going to be my full-time gig. Yeah. And then, so it's like, you know, and then that's when I, you know, um, I think I worked with my friend I went to high school with. He's awesome. I am so not tech savvy at all. I have no problem <laughs> telling people that I'm like, what? You want me to do what? So yeah, right. I was like, you know, if you can help me build this website and we did it on Shopify and now I'm like happy because now I feel more comfortable. Now I can go in and change some things around and even if I need help I call Shopify customer service I'm like uh what do I do right Mm -hmm. so yeah it's just kind of like so I first launched the website Girls Chronically Rock in 2017 and then ever since then it was just you know just kind of you know just building it from there and trying to get the word out spread the message and a lot of my t-shirts right now so it's like Girls Chronically Rock um consists of t-shirts I have accessories like cuff bracelets, silicone bracelets. I also have sweatshirts, hats, and then I also recently added some throw pillows because I am a huge fan of throw pillows. If you see my apartment, I have like throw pillows everywhere because I just feel like it gives that like touch, like that active touch, like on a couch or even under your office mm-hmm. chair. So that's just me. So I added some of my logos to throw pillows. But my goal right now, I am focusing <laughs> on creating an adaptive clothing collection for people with disabilities. Yeah. So adaptive clothing collection is like an yeah. accessible clothing, you know, for people like myself to help us get dressed much easier and dependence and faster on a daily basis. Because it's like, you know, in school, I feel like I didn't really learn that. And it's like, you know, what would I know about adaptive fashion? Because at that time I was, you know, an able-bodied person. So I kind of feel like, you know, this is back to why I feel like things happen for a reason. Because I'm like, you know, here I was, I lived this able-bodied life. Now I'm a whole part of this whole new community, the disability community. I'm like, you know, I can take what I've learned in fashion 
and create, you know, an adaptive clothing collection because it really makes a difference. I'm so happy that designers like Tommy Hilfiger now, um, Zappos and Target now have an, have an adaptive clothing collection. And I've actually um, am now working with my university where I graduated from Framingham State. And I'm actually working with the fashion department there and teaching the students about adaptive fashion. So I really feel excited about it. I really, really do because I think it's so important because it's like, yeah. I feel like adaptive fashion. It's not just going to be for people with disabilities. It's for everybody. You know, it's like we all just want to be inclusive and people think, you know, because mm-hmm. we have a disability, we don't go out. We don't date. We don't do this. Yes. Yes, we do all of it. You know, we just made these special accommodations. But yes, we do all of it. And we just want to be accepted and look fashionable and fabulous. Mm-hmm. That makes us feel good and confident. So, yes, mm-hmm. I'm in the process of creating an adaptive clothing collection right now and I and my first product will be um I'm working on a swimwear line because a lot of people think oh swimwear is just seasonal but a lot of people don't understand people like myself with a disability I go to aquatic therapy at Spalding out here in Boston Massachusetts where I do pool therapy and that really helps with the strengthening of my muscles and my legs when I'm in that water I feel like I am a mermaid it's like so amazing because I can do things in the water that I can't do on land so I'm just like, you know, for people like myself, you guys, you know, as an able-bodied person, just coming out from the pool, that bathing suit stuck on your body, it's like, it's a hassle. I'm like, imagine swimwear now adaptive, having accessibility, like this is going to be so much easier and change the game for people like myself who go to aquatic therapy. So yeah, so I'm in the process of that right now. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I would love to see a future where we just, you know, see Thank those you. right next to the able-bodied swimsuits as it should be, you know? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to your determination and drive, you've also done some work with getting um, September 30th officially proclaimed as Muscular Dystrophy Awareness Day, which is amazing. So why do you think it's important that we stay aware and informed of chronic illnesses and muscular dystrophy? Um. Yes. Yeah, so it's like on September 30th, it's actually specifically limb girdle muscular dystrophy. And that's the Pacific type that I have. So I have limb girdle muscular dystrophy. So on okay. September 30th, I get the proclamation from the governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, and then from my mayor of Cambridge, Mark McGovern. So I believe this year was our fourth annual limb girdle muscular dystrophy awareness um, day. And so I am excited and I feel so grateful that, you know, that like, say, the Massachusetts governor office and my city of Cambridge you know, just kind of listen to me and you know, listen to what I had to say as to why it's so important. It's like, this is such an important day. I want to bring awareness, you know, about just overall muscular dystrophy, but then also my type, limb girdle muscular dystrophy, because my type is such a rare type, you know, when it's like, you know, you never know what the body's going to feel like as I wake up. So I'm just so grateful that Massachusetts and the city of Cambridge is just, you know, they acknowledge it and honor it. And every year I, you know, send them an email like around like probably July, August, just to remind them like, yes. September because you know before you know the time flies mm-hmm. by and I'm like yes September 30th if we can you can please honor me that proclamation and then they mail it to me and I have them all hanged up every year I hang it up on my wall I take a picture with it I love to sometimes I'm in my city of Cambridge I would go in and take a picture of the mayor of course the governor is always busy so I haven't taken mm-hmm. a picture with him yet but I you know I'm just so grateful that you know I get it so I mean I'm mean, like I'm like I can't complain but yes the mayor of Cambridge once he's available I would go in which is right down the street from me very convenient and I would go in and get some pictures with him and I just I just feel so happy because I'm like oh it's like you know they appreciate that they want to know what limb girdle muscular dystrophy is all about and they want to you know proclaim that in this city in the, the Massachusetts city of Cambridge and just to bring awareness. So I think it's so awesome. So yes, I do that every year and I will continue to do that until, yeah, until further notice. 
<laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. So I did kind of – I wanted to ask you a little bit with everything that you do. You're like a superwoman over here. I follow you on your social media, and it's so impressive with your podcast and your clothing line. Oh, thank you. <laughs> everything you're up to. So what does your like daily life look like for people uh, that are curious? I'm just wondering – what your daily life looks like do you like how many doctor's appointments do you have to go to physical therapy and whatnot like yeah I mean my day gets totally very of course right now because we are in this crazy pandemic I honestly have not even been outside Mm -hmm. I mean I've been outside last time I was outside was like when this first hit in March I was like no way because I'm like this does not feel right I was like I'm not going outside especially for people like myself where you know I am considered a high risk because my respiratory lung issues with the muscle Mm -hmm. dystrophy so I'm like I'm not going out there so that's why it sucks I haven't been able to go to physical therapy but the good thing about it is is that I have been able to have phone visits and televisits with like my neurologist and my primary care so and then you know of course I would like to get some blood work and Mm -hmm. my annual echocardiogram but I just haven't felt so comfortable yet to go out there and I'm so glad that they totally get it they're like Keisha I totally understand you know what's crazy like the numbers have gone out here and up here in Boston and you know they understand and I'm so grateful and I that they respect that so when the time comes, but I'm grateful that my insurance um, actually covers some, um, it's like a mobile place. They're actually going to come here to draw my blood work. So I'm like, oh, thank goodness, you know, because that's so awesome. Cause I like to get that check, like, you know, my kidney, because my mom, you know, suffered from a kidney disease. And, you know, so I like to get all that stuff checked out. So I'm happy that I am going to have someone come here to draw my blood. But once I feel more comfortable, then yes, I would go in to see my neurologist. But I'm just happy that they are a phone call away. If I need to set up a televisit, they are there. And the good thing about it, too, is that we use like this chart app where if I need to have any questions, I can like, you know, write to them. So, you know, I, I feel still safe and, you know, in the comfort of my own home and glad that I have that, the you know, all this stuff is online now, which I'm so grateful for. But um, yeah, so for every day of Keisha, I would say it definitely varies. You know, I wake up, my PCA helps me to get out the bed. I go in the shower, going, just taking a shower for someone like myself. I feel like I could just finish running the Boston Marathon. You know, just coming out, I feel sometimes, you know, and then I get dressed and then I pretty much, you know, while with my day, my PCA would help me, um, you know, with breakfast, if I want coffee, tea. And then I pretty much open my laptop and I am on my computer, you know, sending out emails um, to different retailers. Because at the moment, I'm trying to get girls chronically rock into stores such as Macy's, Target and collaborate with other designers. So I'm just, you know, sending out email, trying to collaborate with, you know, wonderful people like yourselves on podcasts and, you know, just spreading the word and bringing the awareness out there. And, you know, but it could it could be a lot to keep up because it's like there's so many different social media platforms now. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. So, you know, my day consists of that, just kind of posting and letting people, you know, not forget it. Don't forget about Girls Chronically Rock. And I record my podcast mostly on Mondays at, you know, 3 p.m. And then, but honestly, it's like I tell people, I am a TV fanatic as well. (laughs) My TV shows keeps me, they really do. It's like if I'm having a bad day or if I have like a fall or, you know, because sometimes I can just put a damper on things, but it's like knowing I have a TV show to watch it's like that honestly like just keeps me going and I'm like I tell people I watch everything from talk shows to Wendy Williams the talk I watch Jersey Shore the Kardashians yeah so I'm just like and you know they just keep me entertaining and that's what keeps me saying I tell people they're like you know how do you get day and I'm just like you know like honestly like tv shows like I don't know what I would do like if I didn't have cable (laughs) Netflix and everything it just keeps going honestly but 
it shake can vary. You know, some days the body may feel more tight than others. And, you know, I realized over time, like, that's something I can't control. You know, kind of like how this whole pandemic right now, it's like, we can't control what's going on. You know, when this, my um, muscular dystrophy is only going to progress, but all I can do is take it day by day. And, you know, I, I pretty much I'm in my wheelchair the majority of the day because I feel more safe, you know, because opposed to me walking, then I don't want to have to fall. But um, yeah, pretty much my day consists of, you know, because I do work, girls chronically walk full time. This is my, you know, my main job. I don't work um any other place. And, and yeah, and, I, and I'm just happy my business keeps me going and it keeps me motivated as well. So as for the students that you're teaching for the adaptive project at the school that you graduated from, how are you teaching them right now? Just virtually? Yes. Okay, that's awesome. Um, yes, virtually. Yes, at Framingham State University. Yeah, because and it's and it's convenient for me too because I'm like, especially for myself, someone with a disability. I'm like, you see how quickly the world has changed. I'm like, this is what people in the disability community have been asking for forever. Just a simple accommodations to be able to work from home. So yes, I'm so grateful that it's online because I'm like, boom, you know, my PC gets me up. I log on to Zoom and it's just so much more convenient. And I'm like. The kids, you know, they're still so talented. They're still able to do everything. Some of them are on campus. Some of them are not. And, you know, when it's been go- working out great. And how many days a week are you teaching that class? Um, One day. It's, it's, sometimes it could be once a week, sometimes twice a week. So it's okay. like, you know, they're, they're still right now in the process. Like they're sketching everything out. And then like by December, it will be the final presentation. So I'm so excited to see it. So like, what what would you say is your favorite part of it all? Um, I would say all of it. I think for me too, especially when I come up with an idea, I notice I get very excited. Like even when I think of a new like slogan or something I want to put on a shirt, you know, cause sometimes I say like random things and I tell people like a lot of my shirts, as you see online, like all of that is like my feelings and my expressions of my journey through my line, you know? So all those shirts that you may see, those are all like things that are meaningful to me, like trust your dopeness, you know, like trust and believe in yourself and chronically ill badass and you know black lives matter black disabled lives matter you know all of that is like you know so if anything I feel like is going on in the world or my feelings and my emotions I like to express that you know through my line so when I come up with like a creative idea I get excited you know just from that part just kind of like I say like that's just like the intro and then you know I just to then see my my design or what I thought come to to life it's like it's so amazing so whether I'm designing the adaptive I'm like oh my god I can't wait to see it you know when it all comes together if I'm like thinking of the colors in my head and and all of that because now you know with the muscular dystrophy it is much harder for me to like write and sketch so that I just kind of like would tell somebody or mm-hmm. hire somebody like a student like okay can you sketch kind of like you know have my vision because it's like I'm more like a visual but I would kind of be like okay I want this I want this one piece to look like this with color blocking and you know, and then kind of go from there. But yeah, I think all of it, I honestly get excited. But the most exciting, of course, is when I think of the design. And I'm like, oh, let me let me put this into action. <laughs> get to bring it to life, right? I love that. That's yes, the best part of it's exciting. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did want to ask you, like, I, unfortunately, this is why I definitely wanted to do this with you. I've never spoken with somebody that actually has been diagnosed with MD. So I just, I was curious to know more about it as a whole, like are, is it a genetic thing? Is it, does it run in a family or is it kind of just pop up randomly? Um, You know, to this day, I still like am confused myself because online and some doctors have said, oh yeah, it's genetic. But then like nobody in my family seems to have it, like nobody from mom's side or dad's side. But then another thing I also realize is they're saying just because somebody in your family may not have it, like somebody in my family, for instance, like say my mom could be a carrier, 
Yeah. But say she doesn't have it, like she's the one who passed it on to me. And I'm like, wow, so interesting. So that is a testing I would like to eventually do like to test, like say my sister, mom and dad to see if like, you know, they were possibly carriers. And yes, me knowing if they were carriers, like it honestly is not going to make a difference. It's not like there's going to be a treatment or cure, you know, because right now there are no treatments or cures for muscular dystrophy. You know, so it's kind of pretty much it's a working progress of the only treatment right now doctors suggest is pretty much physical therapy and keeping the body active. And, you know, sometimes that can be challenging because sometimes the body's, you know, tired some days is like, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't feel like I can move my body. But I do know that keeping it active definitely helps. But but yeah, they say it's genetic. But yes, nobody in my family seems to have it. So I tease my parents to this day and I say I was switched at birth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like uh what's going on but yeah it is so weird that it does come out of nowhere because even other people I have um met like on the different support groups I'm on like limb girdle muscular dystrophy living with muscular dystrophy there's others out there that me that also was diagnosed in their early 20s um later adult life and I'm like wow that's so interesting isn't it it's like how you never know what's going on in your body like you know here you are like living your life not even knowing never heard of muscular dystrophy and then it's like boom you have muscular dystrophy and it's like what but then there are some people that you know were born with it they had it since they were like four years old and I'm like wow you know so I I really do wonder what I wish I can don't you just like wish like you can see inside the body and I'm just like um what like what's going on in there you know like Mm -hmm. what is it something that I could have stopped something I could have prevented was it something I ate you know so it's like to this day I still don't know it's very a mystery to me because I'm like what is going on Before you were diagnosed and you said that you were kind of experiencing some of the symptoms, before it was the symptoms that you were actually falling and that you couldn't ignore, would you say that there was anything you noticed that was like out of the norm before those more severe symptoms? Um, No, it was mostly the falling. And then I noticed one day um, I started to probably do some exercise and I noticed like I couldn't raise my right arm to the full extent too. That was when I was like, that's weird. You know, I was like, you know, so I was like, you know how like if you do an exercise and they're like, oh, put your arms up. And I'm like, whoa, like I couldn't even extend the arms, you know, which I still can't to this day. So like to extend my arms out to give someone a hug is hard or to like put my hand out to give you like a handshake. That's kind of like impossible for me. So how I know this is a big, big question and it's it's hard to answer, but how do you think that we as a culture can kind of begin to break the stigma around chronic illnesses and disabilities and educate ourselves about it more? Because even I, I, my dad, he has a nerve damage and I'm still not educated enough on all the different types and things that can happen. So how do you think that we can kind of normalize it and stay informed on it? Um, yeah, totally. And, you know, and it's like when I get asked this question, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, because like I said before, it's like I kind of live both worlds, if that makes sense. You know, I was this able-bodied person. Now I'm like, oh, wow, I've seen a whole new light where I wouldn't even think about things before. Like, Vincent's even going to a location and, you know, parking in a handicapped spot, like going to doors where the door doesn't have the button. You know, it's like little things like that where I took um, granted before. I'm like, wow. So, yes, I would definitely just like, you know, maybe do some research online. And, yes, I know the internet doesn't have everything, but I would definitely go to the person, the person, you know, that is dealing with the chronic illness slash disability and ask them, like, what can I do to help? Like, what is it that if you see them struggling with something? And yes, I know everybody's different. Some people do not like it when you even ask them. You know, I I, I get it. Everybody's different. You know, so just kind of say, oh, do you like what is it that like what is hurting or what is it that I can do to make this easier on you? 
you know, just but don't make them kind of feel like, I, I guess it's kind of hard to explain. Don't be like, oh, let me help you. Or, you know, make them feel like, oh, they can't do it. But just kind of like, oh, like, what is it? So when you try to do that, how come that wasn't working? Like, what does your arms feel like? And you know what, for me personally, I don't mind that because it's kind of like, you know, if you don't ask, then like, you don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, because like I said, I was this whole able-bodied person before where it's like, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I wasn't even thinking about these things like adaptive fashion, accessible parking, you know, making, having to make a special accommodations when traveling. I need an accessible room. Like, all these things come into play. So I kind of feel like just, just from now my family and friends now, when we go out, it's like what I notice with them, it's like they kind of know now what to do even when we go out to restaurants or traveling. They've, like, take it upon themselves. And they're like, oh, Keisha, we call the hotel or the restaurant and, you know, we um we called to make sure it was accessible. Like it has an elevator and we told them we need like an open table, you know, for your wheelchair. And I, and I appreciate that, you know, cause it's like, we kind of all learned it together. I would say it's like, you know, now I'm like, Oh yeah. And when I book hotel rooms now, I have to make sure not just to say accessible room, but to say, yes, I need a rolling shower. Cause I, there have been times I've been to an accessible room and it still may have the tub. And I'm like, okay, this is not accessible to me. Like, um, you know, cause it's hard for me. I can't like then step over a tub. Yeah. I need to literally like the wool and shower so I can literally walk in. Mm-hmm. So little things like that, people, you know, may not get. So even like going traveling or going out with them, be like, oh, do you need special accommodations? Let me call the restaurant. Let me make sure it needs this. You know, like, does that make sense? Like, I think that really yeah. does like help. Yeah. You taking the initiative, like, oh, you know what I mean? It's like you're listening, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I, I would definitely say, yeah, take initiative that just kind of ask them, what is it that I can do? And, you know, and maybe also do your own research too. That honestly, I find very, very thoughtful too, when people do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I feel like people are often kind of scared to reach out or to say something because like you said, you you never know what that person prefers for them, but that's the only way that we're going to learn and that we are going to normalize it and, you know, be aware of certain things like exactly things that I've noticed. Like when I was younger, I would always say like, I want to go to the big bathroom. I want the big bathroom, the big stall. And my mom would tell me, no, honey, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not just the big stall. Like that's not, <laughs> it's not just the size, honey. So it's, it's little it's things so like true. that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, they mean a lot. So it's, thank you for sharing that with me and my audience as well. I hope that people can apply that and just be more mindful about it. Cause yeah, it's, we're all equal here at the end of the day. We got to help each other. So yeah, yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Of course. So one thing I did want to ask earlier, you said that you were walking with your stylish cane for a while. How how long was like the progression between your cane to when you were uh, put into a wheelchair? Like how long did it take for it to progress into a little bit more severe? Um. Yeah, I just I kind of feel like, you know, it was like sometimes I feel like it happened so quickly and then I'm like, was it a slow progression? Because then I started using the cane and then with some days I felt like, oh yeah, I'm like, I don't need this cane. I got this, you know, but then, you know, it definitely did progress, you know, where, when I was living with my mom, we lived in a condo where there was stairs, no elevator. And I realized just like going up and down the stairs, it just became impossible. There was days I didn't even want to leave the house because I'm like, this is just too many stairs, especially when it snowed. Oh, forget it. You know, because then the stairs will be slippery. Sometimes I'm like, did they clean the stairs? It's like, it was just too much where I felt like I couldn't even leave my own house. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So yes, eventually, and then I moved out and got my own place in 2015. So I'm still close to mom, which I'm happy. But at least where I'm at now is accessible. I have a accessible bathroom, wheel and shower. And also that a key, I have an elevator. So that is plus. So I'm so happy 
that I am here. But yeah, I would say like over time, when I even moved in here in 2015, I didn't even have the wheelchair then. I only just been in this wheelchair. It was Jan, um, this past January 2019 was a year. Okay, so, yep. Wow. So this January 2021 will be, um yeah. So like, you know, eventually, you know, because then I felt like, and it was so crazy because when the doctor said, oh, you know, eventually you'll need a wheelchair. I was just like, no way. Like, I don't want no wheelchair because I just felt like, you know, and it's like looking back then, it's like, you know, of course that my mindset was so different. But now I can totally see why then some people in my support groups, they would say, you know, my wheelchair, I feel so independent. I feel free. And at first I didn't understand it. But now I do because I'm like, A, I feel safe in my wheelchair. You know, I only really get up to transfer to go to use the restroom. But I'm like, yeah, now it's like I don't have to worry about because when I used to walk with my cane or walker, you know, it was just like the struggle, like just like so much weight I felt like on my body just to get from point A to point B and going out with friends and family, you know, like it was a lot. So now my wheelchair, it's like, I feel like I can pass them, you know? So that's the good thing. It's like, I love my wheelchair, like moves up and down. I can twirl around. So it's like, you know, I, it's making me feel safe yeah. and preventing me from not falling. And I think that is key. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then of course I had to decorate my wheelchair as well. That's right. <laughs> as you should, girl. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's awesome. So you talked about advocate or you're an advocate for um, connecting with support groups I saw on your website as well. So what do you think the impact has had on you having a good support system? I'm so big on that. So I just kind of want to hear your input on that as well. Yeah. So I definitely, I mean, I have a great support system from both family and friends, but like at the end of the day, it's like I tell people, yes, the support in family and friends is great. But there's nothing, and I mean nothing, like talking to somebody who gets it and knows what it's like living with a disability slash chronic illness every day. So, of course, of when I first came out of my denial, you know, I turned to, um like, social media and, like, you know, thank goodness I feel, fa- um, thank goodness for hashtags. You know, I would use, like, disability awareness, hashtag chronic illness, hashtag muscular dystrophy. And then that's when I brought, like, a whole new range. I've met so many people that have, you know, MS, lupus. Um, other people with muscular dystrophy. And I'm just like, you know, and it just made me feel like I am not alone. You know, especially when I met another person with like muscular dystrophy, especially if they have the same type as me, limb girdle, I'm like, oh my God, we're like family. You know, cause like you get it. You know what I mean? Like they get it. You know, yes, it sucks that we're going through this, but it's like just to have that connection. It's like, they get it. They know what the body feels like when it's tired. They know when it's like, we don't have like control over, you know, what's going to happen if we have a fall. They know what it's like to deal with, personal care attendance on a regular basis, you know, all that is challenging, you know? So it's like, it's the support of that community. I feel like is awesome, you know, cause we come together, we support each other. And it's like, you know, I'd love to ask them like tips and ideas. Cause like I said, especially if they've been dealing with it from small, it's like, I kind of feel like they have a whole new range, you know? Cause I'm like, what was different then than now? So I love getting like tips and different ideas and what they did and, you know, how they got through this and all of that. So I, I just love the support of that. And yeah, I'm so grateful for that, the social media and the support groups I have, because, you know, it's nothing. And I mean, nothing like talking to somebody who gets it. People don't get that at all. Yeah, that's awesome. I do. I think another good way for us able-bodied people to educate ourselves is to maybe follow those hashtags as well, you know, get our feeds a little bit more inclusive. So that's, I think that's a good tip. And then also I did want to ask you. Yes, it's awesome. And now on Instagram, you can like follow hashtags, which I like. 
So whenever someone posts a hashtag with that, yeah. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is. That's super awesome. That's a good way to get some diversity in your feed and follow more, you know, small brands, small businesses and small influencers as well. So yeah. Another thing I did want to ask is kind of what, so you said that you really connect with people with uh, limb girdle MD to be specific. What would you say is like the difference between, you know, regular muscular dystrophy and then um, limb girdle muscular dystrophy? (laughs) So, yeah, it's like, honestly, I feel like it all ranges. And this is something I tell people to this day. I'm totally honest where I just feel like each day I'm learning something myself, you know, because it's like each day I'm feel like I'm learning something with the body. Like, whoa, yesterday I feel like I had all this energy and I got up, you know, without any back pains or felt like, you know, I wasn't going to struggle. But then it's like the next day the body could feel totally different. So the thing is with muscular dystrophy, there's so many different times. There's Duchenne muscular dystrophy, there's spinal muscular atrophy, there's my type limb girdle muscular dystrophy. And then there's honestly, I want to say even like a few other types that I that I may not know on the top of my head right now. But when I see that, I'm like, oh, wow, there's even another type of, you know, muscular dystrophy. So it's so interesting that it breaks it down to all these narrative, but from my type specifically, from my understanding is that it's very rare. Um, some people like myself um, do ke- um, get it in a later adult age. My type, um, sometimes, particularly depending on the type, because that's the thing, once you have limb girdle, and then it goes down to different variants, if that makes sense, like it goes limb girdle to I or to B. And to this day, I don't know my subtype of limb girdle. Okay. So that's still a mystery to this day. Me and my doctors have taken several testings, blood work, saliva, everything, and they all have came back inconclusive to this day. And the thing that sucks about that is because I don't know my subtype. So even if there was like a clinical trial with like limb girdle for like 2B, 2C, I can't like say enter any clinical trial because I don't know my subtype. And so I discovered that just like last year when I went to a limb girdle muscular dystrophy conference. And I'm like, no way. I was like, oh, I was sad because I was like, but I'm the type two. I'm like, oh, I don't care. Like I can be the guinea pig. Let me just do the clinical trial. And then the doctor was like, um, no, she was, he was like, you can't. He was like, if we don't know your subtype, he was like, you know, if you was to enter this clinical trial and not knowing your subtype, he was like, you can possibly grow a third eye. I was like, oh, whoa. He said a whole third eye. So I said, you know what? That's why I am not a doctor. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting because he's like I was like uh Doug Keisha he was like oh yeah you can I was like oh it's like a whole third eye wow so he was like that like kind of opened my eyes because you know it's like when he said it it was like funny but not funny at the same time I'm like oh I'm thinking mm-hmm. he was gonna say you know you could suffer some vomiting or I was like oh I was like okay Maybe so not. yeah so I, I am hoping one day I will know my yeah. subtype right <laughs> But yeah, it's so crazy how it does break down to different variants. But then also, I have some doctors told me like my type could uh, eventually affect my heart. So that's why they'd like me to go get an echocardiogram once a year. And that's what I have been doing. And so far, so good. So I am grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I'm happy to hear that as well. Yeah. Thank you. Lastly, unfortunately, I've enjoyed this conversation with you a lot but uh the last question I wanted to ask thank you (laughs) I know I'm like looking for one more question come on but (laughs) (laughs) in your moments of hardship and doubt because I'm sure you know your the days that you fall and the days that your body hurts a little bit more when you wake up and even just with your business I'm sure that you face a lot of hardship so what do you tell yourself to keep yourself pushing forward like what would you say is your why that 
keeps you trusting your dopeness, as you would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. So I would say for me, I just kind of think and remember, like, you know, maybe this is all happening for a reason. This is part of living with muscular dystrophy, because like I said, it took a long time for me to come out of denial. Like I honestly tell people I feel like I came out of denial, like literally the other day. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like. So, you know, I just kind of remember like, Keisha, this is something out of your hands. You know, you did not ask for this. You're going to have falls. It's like when I fall now, you know, my PCAs freak out more than I do. They're like, oh, my God, are you OK? And it's kind of like I got so immune to it. So I don't know if that's like a good or bad thing. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to hit my lifeline button. Like the EMTs will be here because I know like my PCAs, they can't lift. Like, cause like I said, when I fall, I'm like a dead weight. So it's just kind of like I realized, you know, this is something out of my hands and I just have to take it day by day. But then when I get like messages to like on Facebook, Instagram, social media, people are like, oh, my God, I love what you're doing. I love your mission. You know, like my son has muscular dystrophy or I know my friend here has lupus, MS. And, then you know, it's just like so amazing because, you know, sometimes you can doubt what you're doing. And I'm just like, people, you know, like it. Do they get my mission? So when I get messages like that, that honestly keeps me going and inspired and motivated I'm like yes I got this and you know continue to spread a message and bring awareness and speak my truth and you know build my movement you know I'm looking as like I'm building a girls chronically rock movement and my goal is to build it into an empire so running my business keeps me going and motivated and when I connect with other individuals I'm like that makes me so happy and then of course as I mentioned before watching my tv shows they that like honestly keeps me going as well (laughs) like you know as I said I have a fall that you know can put down a but if I know I'm watching, I'm like binge watching something on Netflix or something I have recorded in my DVR, I'm like, all good from there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love the the simplicity in that answer, but as well how, how deep it gets too. Because yeah, it's human connection, I believe, is like everyone's why at the end of the day. It's it's amazing what you do and all the awareness that you're bringing and that movement that you're starting. Your website is wonderful and all your clothes. So I just do want to give Thank you a minute you. to kind of, of course, um, I do want to, you know, let my audience know where they can find you, where they can find your clothing line and your podcast. So can you kind of plug yourself for a minute? <laughs> sure. So you can find me, Girls Chronically Rock. I am on, you can check check me out on my website, girlschronicallyrock.com. I am also on Instagram, girlschronically okay. underscore rock. I am also on Twitter, um, girlschronicle1, I believe. I have to get more better at Twitter. And then um, connect with me on LinkedIn because I'm trying to get more consistent and more better on LinkedIn. So yes, just um totally reach out, send me a message and you know, whatever. I love to connect and hear from people. And of course, check out my clothing on the website, Girls Chronically Rock. And I also have Girls Chronically Rock podcast and all of that you can find on my website. I have the link for my podcast and all of that on Anchor. So yeah, go there and check all my episodes and everything. So what do you do on your podcast? What do you kind of, is it like an interview podcast? Is it just you? What is the premise of that? Um, For my podcast, I did start off with it just being me. And then I'm just like, all right, I think this who people might just get bored of hearing me. I was like, let me start bringing on people. So then I, it's very still new. I tell people I'm, so I'm not that professional yet with the whole podcast thing. And, you know, I'm like, I want to interview, you know, others like business like-minded individuals and also business and people that have disabilities running a business. So in the process, you know, I'm still interviewing people, you know, on Mondays when I can get guests. And then also, I also do like cross promos where, you know, if I'm like on a, someone's podcast, I also then would post that, you know, and promote that business as well on my podcast. So I kind of, I think that's awesome too. Like, right. you know, kind of cross promo. So, yep. So it's 
podcasts of just me, others, but then also podcasts you would hear of myself on other people's um, podcasts as well. So yeah, pretty exciting. Okay. Yeah, that's all very exciting. I definitely think that you guys should follow Keisha on social media to keep up with the clothing line she's coming out with and also those um, the adaptive swimwear. That is something that's really interesting. You can kind of see the ske- yes! sketches on there as well. And it's really awesome to see it kind of come to life. So thank you so much for being with me today, Keisha. It was amazing talking to you. Yes, yeah, same amazing talking to you as well. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, anytime. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Congratulations on that presidential win to both of us. <laughs> yes, thank you. You too. All right. Have a good day, Keisha. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.